we are going to start the book of Acts. And uh, it's, it's going to be our summer series for the next few weeks. Book of Acts, you know, I'm sure you've read it. I, I, until I study it to do this, I mean, some, some of these things I don't really think about or pay as close attention to, okay? But the book of Acts takes place over about a 30-year period, all right? And, and it's really from the, from the time, uh, it's, it's the time that Jesus spent with his followers after his resurrection, and then it kind of goes all the way through Paul's travels to Rome. So it's about a 30-year period there, okay? And so what we're going to see as we study the book of Acts is really then, if you think about it, since it's after the resurrection forward, it's really what the early church was like. It's really the first days of the early church, and, the, and you know, as they were experiencing God's power, and, but they were also experiencing a lot of opposition from the enemy. And, and I think what we're going to see as we work through this and we, we see, uh, study the book of Acts, we're going to see that it's not only a great book of history, but it's still really relevant to us today and, and to things that we face in our lives. So why don't we start out by reading God's Word. Uh, let's start with in Acts chapter 1. We'll read, uh, read that chapter together. So if you've got your Bible, please uh, feel free to turn. I'm going to be reading the NIV. This is Acts chapter 1. It's verses 1 to 26. It'll be on the screen as well. <coughs> Starts out, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before them right before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking up intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, the Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, and those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Jesus, uh, Judas bought a field 
and there he fell headlong. His body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, and so they called that field, in their language, Akaldama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of, the, of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which, left, uh, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So it's just a quick review. The, the, the book of Acts uh, was written by Luke, who was a medical doctor and a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul, and, uh, and he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And just so there's no, you know, no confusion about that, because remember he started off by talking about he was writing to Theophilus. Well, in Luke 1, uh, uh, it starts out by, by he's talking about Theophilus also in Luke chapter 1. And so these are books that, that it's really clear that Luke, that Luke wrote, okay? Uh, the other thing that the book of... Uh, Acts does is this really is the only book that provides us with a historical record of the activities of the earliest Christians. And, and so, you know, let's just kind of quickly go through what we just read here, okay? So what we really see is kind of starting in verse 3, that uh, after Jesus' resurrection, it tells us that he spent 40 days with his followers. Now, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verses 3 to 6, what it talks about is, you know, well, the reason Jesus right, spent 40 days is he wanted to really establish and let a lot of people see him to know that he was really resurrected, he was really alive. Otherwise, you know, stories could go around that said, oh, you know, he just appeared to a couple of folks here and there. Well, they just made it up. But in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 6, Paul wrote this and he says, Paul, speaking of the resurrection, says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, then to the twelve, but then it says, but after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Well, I mean, you think about it. Today, if there was a, in a court of law, you know, if they said, well, who else saw what you're saying happened? Well, I mean, if we can get two or three people, they'll say, that's good enough. But if you had 500 people sign up and say, yep, I saw exactly the same thing, I mean, who's, that's beyond doubt. So Jesus was seen by more than 500 people at the same time, even, most of whom were living. Jesus' purpose, like I said, is really clear. It was just to, to remove any shadow of a doubt that he was really alive. As, as Greg said during the, our time of communion this morning, I mean, it's, 
Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to die on the cross to save me from, right, to pay a price to be the sacrifice for my sins. But what really makes that complete is the resurrection. It, it's without the resurrection, we don't, we don't really have that hope of, of life that we have. And so, so for him to really want to be seen by a number of people to really confirm that he was alive was an important thing. Now, verse 4 and 5 is an interesting thing. Jesus tells them that, that what he wants them to do is to wait in Jerusalem for, for a gift, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, why was it so important for them to receive this gift before they did anything else. Why, you know, why did he say, wait until you get this? Why do you think it was so important for them to wait? Empowering. Say again? Empowering. empowering. He wanted them to wait for empowering. Why, why would they need empowering? They're about to be persecuted and killed for their belief. There, there's persecution ahead. Well, yes, it's going to be a major place that's coming. Yeah. There's, there's a reason, right, for, them to, to, for him to start out by telling them to wait because basically what Jesus is telling them is, is you're going to need this to, to succeed at the mission that I'm going to send you on without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. If you just try to go it alone, you're going to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to, you're going to go worn out. You're going to get beat up. You're going to, you're going to get discouraged. You're, you're not going to be able to fulfill that mission. So to accomplish that assignment, Jesus is saying, you're going to need the Holy Spirit's power. Can I say, by the way, we still do too? <laughs> Don't we all have that same call and that same mission? And nothing's changed. We need it too. So then on in verse 6, uh, those around him, so he says, wait for this, so you're going to get empowered by the Holy Spirit. Well, all those around him say, well, so now, so then is that when you're going to reestablish, uh, restore the kingdom to Israel? And, you know, you're going, to, you're going to free us from that Roman oppression that we've got going on? But Jesus immediately in verse 8 redirects them from this restoration of the kingdom to his plans. Because he wants his, his followers to reach the entire world with the gospel. And we kind of usually call that the Great Commission, right? To, to go. I do think it was a rather unusual first step, though. Right? So Jesus lays out, I want you to, you know, you're going to do this, but the very first step in fulfilling the plan is to wait. <laughs> That's, think about in our lives, I mean, where you work, if somebody, if one day you went to a meeting and, you know, the boss said, hey, I got a whole new business plan here. We're about to, you know, we're about to go do this. And, er and everybody, you know, you can almost feel the energy building in the room and people are going, all right, you know, what's my assignment? Right? I mean, because for all of us, if we say we're going to go do something, we're all like, well, like getting the starting blocks. Like, let's, let's go. Right? Well, what if just as he's laid out this big plan, you know, he says, and the first thing we're going to do is wait. Well, no, <laughs> I mean, really, everybody would kind of go, huh? Right, I mean, right? because we would go, that's counterintuitive. 
That's counterintuitive. If we're going to go do something, I mean, doesn't that mean we're going to actually go do something, right? But, but isn't it interesting is so many times with the kingdom of God and in God's way of doing things, it's not man's way. Okay? And so he starts off by saying, I got a big job for you. In fact, in fact, the only way you can start is to wait because you're not ready yet. Because you're not ready yet. And how many times in our own lives have, have, have we started off for something and we didn't wait? A lot of times for us, it's we didn't seek God first. We just started acting. For a lot of guys, I won't speak for the women here. I'm only going to speak for the guys because since I, since I am one, okay, uh, a lot of times where we get ourselves in trouble is we talk too soon. Anybody, any men want to agree with me? You, you've, you've, you've opened your mouth a bit too soon and wish, wish you could, there was like a retrieval, <laughs> you could pull some, you know, you, you know the, the rewind button on the, on the tape recorder? There's a few times in my life if I could just, you know, you know, oh, I didn't say that stupid stuff. Okay, now Lord, give me wisdom so that I handle this better. Okay, I mean, there is a, there is a reason why he says wait. And I think it's a big thing for us, too. Second step, then, is we're going to start fulfilling this plan in Jerusalem. And then he said in you know, Judea and Samaria, the rest of the world. Why, why do you think Jesus told them that step one to fulfilling the Great Commission was in Jerusalem? Right there, kind of where they all lived. Why, why, why start there? Why limit it to that? To make it personal. Make it personal. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts? To make it easier for them to build and strengthen each other. So because otherwise it would spread out, they would not yeah. have that connection out of that group and they could all burn out really quick. Yeah. They you know, I mean the, the right the you know the the in Matthew twenty eight is where we really find what usually is titled, you know, in your Bible, the Great Commission, right? You know, and it says, you're going to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And yet he told them to, to start in Jerusalem because I think you've really got it. It was personal. It was where they lived. It was, it was they, they needed more people and resources. And besides, they needed practice. They, it was a way to get started fulfilling uh, the, the commission, but kind of in familiar territory where they knew a lot of people and they had relationships. And so it's kind of, I, I, I kind of view it as like it's after, after Jerusalem, you'll have gained some followers, but you'll also have more resources and momentum, and then you'll be ready to move into the rest of Judea. And then after Judea, you'll move on beyond Judea into Samaria. And by then, you will, you'll kind of, you know, you'll know what you're doing. It'll be working. The Holy Spirit, you will have seen the Holy Spirit at work. It will, you know, a lot of what happens with us when we actually start to do what God calls us to do, empowered by the Holy Spirit, is would it be fair to say that sometimes the first few things the Holy Spirit does, I mean, the answers to prayer, the changes in people's lives, we're almost surprised? I mean, I realize that's not a real churchy thing to say because we're not we're all supposed to go well no I'm never surprised when God acts aren't you ever surprised sometimes when God acts I am I'm a, well I may be surprised in the right word I don't know amazed 
Have you ever seen God change some people's hearts that you would have said, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon? Uh, have you ever seen God open some doors or some paths that, I mean, like even 10 seconds before it happened, you would have gone, that door is never going to open. Opportunities that have come your way that everybody else would have said, yeah, you won't, you won't get that. That won't come to you. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? There, there, we, look, we, we know when, I know I kind of make this light sometimes, and so forgive me, but I, I, but I mean, I realize we all understand when we're sitting in Bible study on Thursday night and we're talking, we all know the right answers to a lot of this stuff. Okay, we'll all answer right. Oh yeah, God, you know, God will do it. But it gets a little different when you're out here in the world and it's you sometimes that's under the pile, that's being, that's being threatened, the, you that has the need. And it's sometimes, I know I've said this in here before, and if it's true for you, sometimes what's really crazy to me is I actually have more faith for you than I do for me. There's sometimes I actually find it easier to believe that God will answer your prayer, do the thing you need, than, than when I'm the guy with the need. Any of you ever experienced that? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm good with pay, praying powerfully and, and with great confidence for God to meet your need, but when I'm the guy, I'm kind of like, man, you know. And, and you know what? That's one of the reasons why I think he started in Jerusalem, because what we need to do is we need to build community. We go do things. God didn't send us out to go fight the wolves alone. He wants us to go out because what happens is strength. Their strength with the team, with the group, with the, the disciples. I mean, they, they were powerful, but as they built and they saw God moving and they saw God answering prayers, when you started to see God answer your prayers, how do you feel the next time you pray? Even more powerful, more confident, more certain of what God will do. And you're willing to take on bigger tasks and bigger challenges because you've, you know, it's a little like lifting weights, right? I mean, once I've conquered 20 pounds, 30 pounds isn't so big, <laughs> you know? Right? But I mean, you know, it's hard to lift 200 pounds if you can't ever show that you've lifted 175. Okay? So we build that spiritual muscle. We build that and we, and we keep going forward. I also think, it, you know, if you kind of think about the disciples, I mean, a lot of these guys were like fishermen. I mean, they were not well-traveled. You know, Jesus just said, you, you go to the ends of the earth. Well, I mean... <laughs> For most of us, I mean, in today's language, that would be like they haven't really been past Dakota County for most of their lives. And now you're, you know, and, and so this starting out and moving out step by step, I think it also helped them grow just in their knowledge. You know, like once it, it's, it would be hard if I said, you know, you're, you're going to go do this in, you know, in Nepal. You know, it might be great if you could start here and like get to Duluth. And, well, you know what I mean? You know, some steps that, that give you confidence and help you move out step by step. And I think, we, I think it's really cool. We serve a God who actually understands that, that sometimes we need to grow step by step. And that's what he was doing with his disciples. He was, even, even after he was gone, think about it, for three years, Jesus trained these guys. But even in his absence now, he says, when he's gone, he says, look, I'm, gonna, I'm still in how I'm going to roll this out with you even after I'm gone. You're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, but then I'm going to let you go step by step. I'm going to let you gain some momentum, some experience, some strength, and go together. And that's what he does for us today, too. You know, there's, there's one other bit, though, by this. is 
and it's, it's focus. You know, one of the challenges that the disciples had, remember he's, when he said, you know, I'm, wait for the Holy Spirit, and they said, oh, you know, we're going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. He says, no, 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 and he redirects them back to the Great Commission. One of our challenges today is remaining focused on what God has told us to do. We'd all agree, a little bit ago, I said the Great Commission's still in force, and we all nod, said, yep. But isn't it easy how we get distracted from that, if we're not careful? Because we come up with a lot of other things that are important. I mean, throughout Jesus' whole ministry, throughout the whole time he was with his disciples, he kept talking to them about the kingdom and about ministry activities. And think about the stories, you know, the accounts you've read of other encounters, you know, while Jesus was with the disciples and he'd be talking to them and all of a sudden they'd want to talk about the end times and who is going to get to sit next to Jesus, right? And he'd pull them back, you know, say, now let's get back on ministry, right? And, you know, and then he'd explain to them about their mission, but then they'd want to talk like it says about his earthly kingdom. Right? He had to pull them back, redirect them. Is that possibly a problem in the church today? That, that, you know, well, think about, think about people, and, and please, I am not picking on anybody, okay? And I'm not being critical, I'm just pointing out a fact. Have you ever known people that all they want to talk about is the end times? And, and, and anytime somebody out there somewhere publishes a date, you know, they're ready to believe it. I... I think there's a danger in our lives that we can become, as a church, so focused and distracted discussing things like signs of the end times, which are interesting to talk about, I mean, to a degree, right? But doing that, that we lose focus and we stop taking care of the business of the kingdom that Jesus left us with. Our, our, our marching orders to fulfill the Great Commission still stand. I mean, the, the last thing Jesus said, right, before he went, you know, before he ascended to heaven was, go do this. And until he changes the orders, the orders remain. And so the question is, when Jesus does come back, what will he find us doing? Staring at the sky, waiting for him to come, or fulfilling the Great Commission. So, we see that, you know, then Jesus is taken up to heaven before their eyes. And interestingly enough, okay, Steve's opinion. I feel like in heaven, when God says something, it immediately happens. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, it talks about his when it, God spoke, the world's created. Okay, God said, let there be light. It didn't say that in a day or two some light showed up. It says God said, let there be light. There was light. I, I, I think in heaven, when God speaks, whatever he commands, there's no lag. It, it's immediately being fulfilled. Okay? Now, Jesus gives a command, go. You're going to, okay, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And it just said, we read it in the, in the scripture, and it says, and then right after that, he was, just started, he left them. He got up into the sky. He's disappearing into the clouds, and they're all watching. 
and then he's gone, and they're all watching. So you can find this humorous with me, or you can find it amazing with me. But they're all standing there watching, looking up in the sky. So I think God says, thinks to himself, what's wrong with these people? So he sends two angels down to these guys and says, why are you guys staring into the sky? You have an assignment. Why haven't you started? Now, we would all go, yeah, but I mean, he just, it's like I'm still seeing the, you know, the contrail. You know, I mean, they're still kind of, you know, and, but, I mean, do, but from God's perspective, the order's been issued. Why are you still standing there staring? I think one of what we would say is, go get busy, right? Go get busy. Why haven't you gotten started? So finally, then it just tells us in the end of the chapter about the process by which Matthias was selected to replace Jesus. And just the point, huh? I, uh, Judas, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Matthias was, was <laughs> selected to replace Judas. Uh, it, just the interesting note to me was it wasn't by popular vote. It wasn't by popular vote. You know, I mean, it wasn't like who, who does everybody like the most? Because that doesn't necessarily mean the most qualified, right? So what, what they did was they went, they took the, for the leadership core to nominate two people. And, and they said it had to be people who had been with them since the baptism of John all the way through Jesus' ascension. And so there were at least two, two folks who qualified, the two that they named. And so they, they put them out uh, before the group, but really before God then, to say, now, Lord, we believe these two qualify for what you, would, what you would desire. But now then they turn to him for the answer. So they cast lots. And that's a, a process that they used. I mean, it was a process that was not, wasn't gambling. It was, it was a, a method of seeking God, okay? And so they, they sought God, and then God, and so the answer came back, Matthias. And so then he replaced uh, Judas with the, uh, with the apostles. And so, you know, we look at this whole first chapter, and we just say, okay, there's, there's some really interesting things that happen in, in this passage. But then it always comes back to, well, what about us? How do we apply this today? What do we do with this stuff and use it in our lives? And so we all kind of agree from earlier that the Great Commission is still in force today. So then really the question just comes for us is, then how do we participate in fulfilling the Great Commission in our lives? What do we do? First thing. Seek the power and filling of the Holy Spirit. Wait. Don't wait. Wait. Ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit. You know, Luke 11, verses 11 to 13 says, uh, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I realize that this topic of asking for the filling of the Holy Spirit is a, it's a difficult topic for some people, okay? I, I, I realize, particularly depending upon your, if you have a church background, it, it, was, it was a hard thing for me for a number of years because I grew up in a, in a church background that did not teach it, didn't, actually didn't really believe in it. 
okay? And so when I, so for me, when I got exposed to the Holy Spirit, personally, it was like, a, I, I mean, I, I felt like it was a whole new deal. And then, and then I, I was like, this has been in the Bible all along, and I, you know, no one ever told me about it, or, okay, and so I, I can appreciate anybody who says, this is, I'm not really quite sure where I stand on this, because I, 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 I walk that path as well, okay? And, but, but yet, uh, Scripture, once you read it, is really, really clear that it's something that God has for us. Um, I just want to offer to anybody here or anyone you know that's struggling with, do I really want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do, you know, am I already? What, you know, do, I, do I believe that? Is it really something for today? Uh, I, I feel like the simplest, most pure way to approach it is this. Uh, if you trust that God only has good gifts for you, if you really believe that God would only give you something good, okay, then I think what you can pray is simply this. You can say, dear God, if you've got something more for me, if there's something more for me, okay, like more of the Holy Spirit, I want it. If you've got it, I want it. So in Jesus' name, I ask for and receive Everything you have for me. Amen. I mean, then, then you know, because if it's good and he's got it, I mean, I, wouldn't we all agree if it's really God and it's really good, then I want it, whatever it is. If he wants to turn me green, if it's good and it's from God, no, I mean, I don't care how strange it might sound or how different it might be from whatever I believed all my life. Do you understand? I mean, if God says no for you, that would be really, that would be the, my best for you. Then as strange as it sounds, I want that because I know I'll never be as fulfilled. If God, so God has offered us the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not that we can't live without it, but we'll never live with the power that we can have without it. I, I mean, I know this because I lived a lot of my life without it. And now I have had the power of the Holy Spirit in my life for a number of years. And I mean, I was an adult. I was old enough to know the difference and see the change. And, you know, I can look back and remember before and now I know. And wow, what a, what a wonderful change in my life. And so I just, I want to offer to you, the first thing is to seek the power and filling of the Holy Spirit. Ask God, pray the prayer, and then just look for some change in your life. Just be open to allowing God to move in your life. Second thing, and we kind of laughed about it a minute ago, but don't stand around staring into the sky. We need to get busy. You know, all of us have opportunities to participate in carrying out the Great Commission. Some people go as full-time missionaries, whether it's cross town, cross country, around the world. Others of us, you know, remember what this says about the, the Great Commission? It said, make disciples. And then baptize them. Make disciples. Others make disciples a little closer to home. Might be by leading a Bible study in your apartment building. It, it might be in your neighborhood or some other venue where you can build relationships because you know what? It's really hard to make disciples until you've made relationships. It's really hard to tell somebody about Jesus when they don't even know who you are. I think that's part of why, why he said, wait. I mean, it, it's counterintuitive to everything we believe in life, which is like, hurry up, go fast, you know, okay? 
But, but I think what Jesus wanted us to understand is, is I've got this big job, it, but it actually, it's kind of, and, and, and there's millions of people, there's all these people out there, okay? But, but it's like, but I'm not hanging all of them on you, or you, or you. I, I'm, what I'm saying is, but there's a sphere of influence you do have, and I'm calling you to them. At the very least, Right? I'm calling you to the, the area that you have. And, and because, because to build, to make disciples, you got to first build relationships. And so you're going to build relationships with people you're around, with people that you take time to care about, speak into their lives, build into their lives, and then you're going to share the gospel. And they're going to be open to receive it because they actually know you care about them. You're not telling this because you don't like them and you're trying to whip them into shape. You're telling this because you love them and you're trying to give God's best to them. Making disciples is all about building relationships. I mean, you know, I'm always amazed when, when you think about it. It took Jesus three years to bring a group of guys together to actually get them to the point where they believed he was who he said he was. I mean, we get worried and upset sometimes and frustrated with people because we shared our faith with them once and they don't just drop down and want to pray the prayer. <laughs> well, I kind of grew up in a, in a place and a time where there was a little pamphlet with the four spiritual laws. And I mean, if you, you went and got somebody and <laughs> took them through the laws, if they didn't pray with you, I mean, somehow, you know, you had failed. Okay, and I think it put a very unfair burden on people to make them not want to share their faith. Because that doesn't always work that way. Could, but here it talks about building those relationships. I mean, Jesus was a pretty, Jesus was the best we've had, example we've got of, of, of building faith and sharing faith. It took Jesus three years to get guys to come along and, and understand who he was and actually believe it. And some of them didn't quite believe it till after the resurrection. So hang in there. <laughs> Don't give up. It's worth it. It takes some time. Galatians 6, verses 7 and 9 says, A man reaps what he sows. Whatever, uh, so whoever sows to the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Here's the sentence. Let us not become weary in doing good. We have a real tendency to become weary in doing good when we don't see results in the time frame that we thought we ought to see them. But that's not always God's time. And it says, we will reap a harvest. For the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't give up. Third point. Pursue the Great Commission step by step. Now, Remember the, after wait, the first step was Jerusalem? Okay, for a lot of us, uh, that Jerusalem step, that, that first step, includes our own families. Should, right? Includes our own families. Our kids, our grandkids, our great-grandkids. But also sons, daughters-in-law, sons-in-laws, all the in-laws. Just think how different your family might be if the Great Commission were fulfilled in everyone's lives. 
What, how could that change the trajectory of a family? And then for the generations to come. I mean, think about it. It could be incredible. The difference that could make in, in, in lives for generations to come. So I realize that a lot of times, and I use families as an example, because I realize for a lot of us, if there's difficult relations in families, you know when I said it's hard to believe God can actually do something? Sometimes it's family stuff that you, seems the hardest. Because, and I think it's because we think we know those people the best. Which then go, well, I, I know he'll never change his mind. I know what she, you know, I mean, we think we, can I offer that if we're not careful what that really is doing is we're judging them? Okay. I, I just, I would just like to offer for all of us. I don't care where things are today in any family relationship you've got. Because there's some tough ones. There's some tough deals. I mean, I'm not minimizing that at all, okay? But I'd like to offer that the place to start is just pray. Don't say a word to them, just pray. That may be part of the go slow. That may be part of the wait. You know, the, the wait time is, waiting, you know, says go, go grab somebody and do something. The wait time may involve prayer. It's preparation. Pray for them. Ask God to start moving in their lives and changing their hearts. And, you know, don't hold back. Name names. <laughs> You know, tell, and, 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 and pray scripture over them. Tell God what you'd like to see in their lives. It's okay. Tell God you'd like to see their hearts change. You'd like to see them, you know, be open to the truth of his word. Ask God, you know, I've prayed this over our kids, okay? God, give them new friends. Any parents want to admit to that? Uh, or, or we, okay, but I'm, you know what I mean? Give them new friends. Give them some friends that love you and might encourage them to, to be open and to want the things that you have. And I got to tell you, God's been answering some of those prayers. And he's in the middle of answering one of them right now that I've been praying for several years. Okay? Not there yet, but man, some progress that just two months ago, I would have told you, nope, nothing going on there. But don't give up. Don't give up. So pray over them. Man, you know, Proverbs 22, 6. I prayed that one a lot. Train a child up and the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. Lord, took that kid to church for years. He knows the truth. Not walking it out right now. Lord, your word says he won't depart from it. Bring him back. Lord, please do it kindly and gently, but bring him back. No, you know, claim that over your kids. And by the way, while you're praying for your kids, ask God to give you wisdom yourself about what you should and shouldn't say to them. Be wise in your words. Second Peter 3 9, the Lord's not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That includes every member of your family and mine, as well as your co-workers, your friends, your neighbors, everyone in your Jerusalem, even folks you have trouble liking. Okay, so today, let's uh, 
let's just agree that we want to be building relationships where we can, that we want to be moving forward to, to commit ourselves to the Great Commission. So as we do that, you know, lots of opportunities that you can, uh, you can take small steps in building relationships. I want to I encourage you, uh, along the way when it's right, invite, invite people to come to church with you on Sunday. Bring a friend to church. Invite somebody to come to the Thursday night Bible study. I mean, just, just remember one thing. They, you, you may be the only follower of Jesus say no. I mean, it's possible. So that if you don't, who, who will? Okay? With that, would you stand with me and let's close. You know, Jesus told, uh, told his uh, group, told his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples, uh, which does require action. I guess today, the, if you close your eyes, you know, bow your heads, close your eyes. If, if today, I just want to give us all a, a, an opportunity to make a fresh commitment to reach our Jerusalem, to reach your Jerusalem, to build relationships and make disciples. If you'd be ready to commit to that today, to, to, to a fresh commitment to go after that, just raise your hand. Okay, thank you. Lord, today, God, you, uh, your marching orders stand, Lord, to go and make disciples. Lord, today, we just commit to you, Father, to f- take a fresh start at it, to go again. Lord, to not grow weary in doing good, but Lord, to, uh, to pray for those around us that you put our, within our sphere of influence. And Lord, to be your hands and feet in a world that needs you desperately. In Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Amen.